This podcast is a production of the Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, visit our website at www.communitycovenant.net. Good morning. We're reading from Luke chapter 18, 35 to 42. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out to Jesus. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Mary Jo, will you come on up with us this morning? Several years ago at our church in California, we had a retired couple, Barbara and Peter, and they started attending, and they said, our daughter is a missionary in Mexico, and she and her husband, Dwight, have a dynamic ministry. Uh, They're church planters. Uh, They're sending missionaries out into the villages to reach indigenous people of Mexico, as well as in the metropolitan area. There's all kinds of great things that are going on. There's a movement in Mexico. And uh, would you ever be interested in having our daughter come and speak? And I said, well, absolutely. And that was the first time I met Mary Jo. And that was probably five or six years ago now. About About six years ago now. Well, she came and she spoke and she just captured our hearts. Um, she and her husband have had a huge impact uh, in the area of Topeak, Mexico. And that has gone out into the region and into the whole nation where they've planted over 22 churches. But the, the ministry that has begun there that just captivated my heart was a ministry to the throwaway kids of Mexico. Kids that have been abused, uh, abandoned, that were in the trafficking industry, uh, the Lord laid upon Mary Jo's heart that these children needed to be reached for the Lord, loved for the Lord, given a place, a safe place to grow, to learn, to know Jesus, and to heal. And that was the beginning of Nana's house. And uh, we are thrilled. Uh, Mary Jo spoke yesterday at our mission luncheon. Uh, very impactful, very exciting. And so I thought, you know, we all need to hear uh, about what God is doing through your ministry of Nana's House there in Topeak, Mexico. Not only to challenge us to how we may want to become involved as a congregation, but that God would give us a similar heart and vision for our community, for our region, and for our state as we talk about um, the great adventure that the Lord has us on, God on the move, then and now. So, with that... I want to introduce to you this morning my very good friend, Mary Johansson. Let's just give her a warm Community Covenant welcome. Yeah, thank you. 
I always knew that Alaska was beautiful, but until this is the first time I've, I've ever been here, and I have to say I am overwhelmed. It is the most beautiful place. I, I just look out and I think, how could people not recognize that God exists in such a beautiful place? I, I like I said, everybody knows Alaska is beautiful, but until you see it, it's pretty. It's overwhelming. It's 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 God's creation is beautiful. I am so thankful to your pastors. I had no idea that uh, Pastor Todd and Lori were here in Alaska. Uh, probably about a month ago, maybe, I, I got an email, and he says, Oh, I, I'm, I'm pastoring a church in Alaska. And I was like, well, that's amazing. And, and talking about the luncheon and, and talking about, well, would you be able to share about Nana's house, possibly send a video? And I just knew, no, I need to go. I need to go. I, I am not... I'm not a true traveler. I'm not somebody who has this travel bug that just has to go around the world. I'm a homebody. I'd love to be home sewing quilts and, and being with all my 27 little children. And uh, But God put it in my heart. You need to step out. You need to go. And so I am here. <laughs> and you guys chose wonderful people. I'm staying in their home. They are the most hospitable people. And I've traveled a lot. I was in Youth with a Mission. I've traveled a lot, and uh, it, it's they are very hospitable, true Christians, and and you guys picked some wonderful pastors. God, God has really blessed you guys, and I'm sure that they're very blessed too. Uh, <laughs> I have to fold these notes. I have these notes folded. Uh, as Pastor Todd said, five years ago we started a ministry that is called Nana's House. My husband and I have been church planters for, we've been in the ministry for over 30 years. And our main goal was to build the body of Christ, to build churches. And uh, through that ministry that we uh, started in Topeak, Nayarit, we uh, had a lot of children come that were from the street. And they would start coming uh, to church. We would have them standing up up in front here, and they would be worshiping. We uh, Yesterday I shared, we had one little girl that would bring a group of boys to, to church, and these were rough, dirty kids. And they would stand in front, and they, would, they, would, they wouldn't behave the best. They didn't know how to act in church. These children weren't church children. And this little girl named Irene, she would stand in, in front there, and she would just turn around, and she'd give these boys a look, like, you just better behave yourself, or you're going to get it after church. I thought, man, this little girl's really tough. And, and through a series of events, uh, this little girl was caught in a situation of extreme violence. Uh, she was in a situation where there was a horrible shooting, and the truth be told, there was a grenade thrown, and a car uh, hit the car, and she was in this. And I just went to this little girl, and I said, I don't know what is happening in your life, but you need, you need a place. You need a place to go. And, and we, uh, actually, we had opened Nana's house before, but she went to Nana's house. This little girl was the most rebellious little girl you could ever imagine. She was a sassy, smart-mouthed little kid. And I, I was a bit that way when I was a little girl. I wasn't tough, but I had a, I have a, I have a big voice. I have a big mouth. <laughs> and, and it, it kind of clicked, but she was tough. Today, this little girl is destined to be 
preaching one day. Maybe she'll come here when she's older and preach. She's going to be leading the youth group. She just prayed over one of my girls. We had to do a, 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 an intervention on one of my young girls who was really starting to go the wrong way, and I didn't know what to do. And I gathered all my adolescent girls, and we just confronted this little girl. And, and Irene, Irene uh, just looked at this girl, and she started weeping over her. And she said, I know what it feels like to be in your shoes. I've been through what you've been through, and I know. And God is here for you. And and he wants to change your life. Just take the step. Give your heart to Jesus and really follow him. And I was just weeping. Like, how could this little girl who was the head of this gang, who was caught in a horrible situation, being paid for services from men that a little girl should have never been in a situation like that, go from that to not even wanting to be a girl, really, to just have this beautiful little outfit on, weeping over this other child, saying, give your heart to Jesus. This ministry is all that and a bag of chips. (laughs) And I am so excited about what God has done through through Nana's house. It's Nana's house. That's the name of of the orphanage that that we started. Uh, It's been... It's been... A true adventure. You know, serving the Lord has been the most exciting, adventurous, uh, risky, dangerous decision I ever made. It's like being a Christian, we all should be wearing helmets and have to have, uh, like some sort of, some sort of protection because it is so exciting and it is so intense and there's so many ups and there's so many downs and you, you don't, you know, when Jesus was walking the earth, do you think the disciples always knew which turn he was going to take, where he was going to go? You know, he's talking to a woman at the well and, and they're like, why in the world are you talking to a woman? And culturally, that was just totally inappropriate. A woman is weeping over him and washing his feet with her hair. Now, I'll tell you, if a woman comes to church and starts weeping over my husband's feet and starts washing his feet with her hair, I'm not going to be very happy. (laughs) It was inappropriate, but it wasn't inappropriate because it was Jesus. They never knew. They never knew what was happening. And what happens with us? It's like, how could we ever be bored when we're following Jesus? It's the most wonderful, exciting thing. And I think until I opened up Nana's house, until I really got into the muck and the mire of how difficult and sad and tragic life can be, it was like there were years, I will confess, that I said, God, I can do this maybe for three or four years. I'd really like you to bring a replacement because this is really hard and this is really sad. And, and it's, it's overwhelming raising the funds to make sure that these children, uh, and this ministry can go on. And last year we were in Chicago and my husband, my husband and I were in Chicago. We were sharing in a church and, and my husband said, Mary Jo, you are about zero in Nana's house. Now I've got 27 kids depending on me, looking to me. And, and he said, you better get praying. Well, instead of get praying, I woke up at three in the morning and started weeping. God, where are you? I, I need funds. I was just hysterical. I, I, again, I was like, God, I don't know how long I can do this. This is so stressful. And that stress and that impossible somehow turned in to the most overwhelming joy I have ever felt in my entire life. And I can honestly say for the last year, I, I wake up smiling. And and I've lived through a three-year war. I've lived through children who have hit, kicked, vomited, and peed on me because they're so angry and raging. 
And, and it's like, how can I have overwhelming joy? That doesn't make any sense. I live in a pretty sad place, but God has deposited overwhelming joy in, in my heart. And, and like I said, I wake up sometimes kind of giggling. And I always think, what if my husband must wonder what's going on because the bed is kind of going, <laughs> it's like, what is she laughing about in the middle of the night? But God has given me laughter. He's given me joy through the hard times because I've seen the impossible happen. And we're going to, to turn, uh, back to that, to the verse that, uh, that I want to share the story. God spoke to me through Bartimaeus through this story. That's how you say it in English is Bartimaeus, right? Bartimaeus. Yeah. And what is it? Bartimaeus. Okay. Bartimaeus. Okay. It's actually like Spanish then. Bartimaeus. Okay. It says, I'll read again. Jesus approached Jericho. A blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. So you have this blind man sitting on the roadside begging because in that culture, when an important person came into town and still to this day in that culture, they go to the entrance of the town to receive their guest. Just like we used to do in the seventies and the eighties when a rock group came and everyone was at the airport and they were all raving flags and saying, <laughs> they're here. That's what people would do for important people. Now, you know that if an important person is coming into town, you know that the important people want to get there first to say hi to this very important person. So you know that the ladies were dressing up and they were getting their outfits on and they were fixing themselves up. And, and you know that all the important people were out there first. And there's this blind man, Bartimaeus, by, by the roadside. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. And, and they told him, oh, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Now, there, there's this blind man sitting on the side of the road. And, and he asked, well, what is going on? And somebody probably said, oh, Jesus of Nazareth is coming into town. It's a very important event. You're just a blind man. Sit there and continue to beg and go on. Now, have you ever been in a situation, if you are a mother, where you've been in the grocery store... And all of a sudden, your your child starts screaming. And and it's very embarrassing. And it's like, could you please be quiet? I have a little niece, and my, my, hus- my, my brother is an elder in his church, and he preaches. And he was preaching, and my little niece went through the door, and she didn't know how to speak very well. So my brother's name is Peter, but she called him Pee-Pee. And because that was the only way, the only way she could say. So she, she, uh, mom and little baby walk through the door and my brother's preaching and she says, oh, Uncle Pee-Pee, Uncle Pee-Pee. And it's like, be quiet, please be quiet. But have you ever been with a child or somebody where you're just like, I really wish they would just be quiet. And, and what does this blind man do? He calls out, and I'm not going to use the mic because I have a very loud voice. And he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Look over here. You know? No, nobody called Jesus, Jesus, son of David. Only other one other woman in the Bible used that name. And, and, and I'm sure the lady was like, oh, my goodness. You know, I am going away from that man. The name Bartimaeus, I, I, I love an author whose name is Kenneth E. Bailey. He lived 40 years in the Middle East. He's a great scholar of the Bible. And, and he, he says Bartimaeus means son of filth. And I know there's other translations. I believe his because of where he lived for 40 years. But uh, 
son of filth. So you have a filthy blind beggar screaming out to this very important person. And what did the people do? The people rebuked him. And we read it and we're like, well, the people rebuked him and told him to be quiet. No, they looked at him and they said, shut your mouth, you dirty blind beggar. Shut your mouth. That's very embarrassing. And I think this man was a very smart man. I like him because they said, shut your mouth. And what did he do? Jesus, save me. And I'm like, man, that's embarrassing. You know, have you ever, my husband's name is Dwight Wesley Hansen. Now my husband Dwight is very focused on whatever he does. So if he is very focused on building something or in an intense conversation, I can say, Dwight, Dwight, honey, I, I, I need your attention over here. And if I say, Dwight, Wesley, immediately he'll turn around if I say his middle name. Now, you know how it is with mom. My mom could say, they called me Mary when I was younger. They could say, Mary, uh, Mary, Mary Jo Hansen, you get over here. Or Mary Jo Madison, it was Madison. Mary Jo Madison, you get over here right now. Oh boy, I am in trouble. I don't know what I did, but that's going to get my attention. And this blind, filthy beggar knew how to get Jesus' attention. Jesus, son of David. He used a different name. And it's like, oh, okay. So you have all these important people telling this man to shut up. And I was reading this and God just spoke to me. That is how your children are. Your children are throwaways. My children, uh, many of them, if not over half, have never stepped foot in a school. They've never had a chance to learn. They've never uh, to read or to write. They have been severely abused. They have been used in uh, trafficking situations. They have sold drugs. They have robbed houses, all taught by their parents. Uh, the abuse is so extreme that they come to me raging in, in anger. Not all of them, but but enough of them. Uh, I shared yesterday, they, they, they've pulled my hair and, and because they're so angry. And I've had to look up and say, you're not pulling it hard enough, you pull it harder. Because they've been so abused, they expect me to react and slap them or, or, or do something. We actually built a special room with a big, huge... Uh, a gorilla, a stuffed gorilla, all padded, beautiful colors where they just can sit and they can rage. And we would go in and we would sit with them, but they're considered throwaways. They were considered filthy. They were just considered wrong people to be inside of the church. You know, I was a dyslexic little girl. I was a dyslexic little chubby girl on top of it. I also had a depth perception problem, which means you're not going to be good in sports. I always felt kind of like, a, a, a throwaway, always outside of the box. God, how could you ever use me? I, I'm ugly, I'm chubby, and I've got dyslexia. I'm worth nothing. And and God used what I went through in my own life to be able to relate to these children who feel like they're nothing, like they're throwaways. And, and my whole purpose is to minister healing love of Jesus, to fill these little children that have really been killed in their spirit by abuse, to, to fill their hearts with hope and with love. And if they're like this filthy blind beggar, everyone was telling to shut up, shut your mouth. 
And if they scream out louder and they say, I'm not worth anything. And I have to scream back, you're worth everything. And you're going to be a woman of God. And you're going to be a man of God. And God is with you. And it's not nice. And it's not pretty. Because Christianity isn't always nice. And it's not always pretty. Sometimes it's getting down into the muck, into the mire. And it's getting the poop out of the barn. And that's pretty much my job. To clean up vomit. To clean up messy children's lives. And I love it. And it's given me such a joy. Now, the people uh, who were telling this man to shut up. And I, I love this. Jesus says, bring that man to me. You know, the religious don't like loud people. I'm very loud. You know, the verses in the Bible that says, a woman really needs to be, has a meek and mild and quiet spirit. It's like, God, you made me. What happened? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I have a loud voice. And, uh, you know, my father would always tell me, Mary Jo, you're so stubborn. You're so stubborn. When you get an idea, it's like you just can't let go of it. And I had pretty much everybody and their mother come against me when I opened up this orphanage. Now, you think opening up an orphanage would be a beautiful thing. You're going to sit around and sing, Jesus loves me, this I know, with little kids in a circle. And they're going to be so appreciative because you're buying them clothes and you're buying them food and you're putting them in school. And you're going to think all the people around you are just going to pat you on the back. And it's like, no, my neighbors called the police on me. And they accused me of trafficking children. The police came five times. The fifth time I walked out to this guy with a machine gun and a mask. And I just looked and I said, I have told you guys that we are an orphanage. And he said, oh, yeah, I remember you. And he started laughing, kind of like, man, you've got a big mouth. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> Child protective service, didn't, they didn't like me. They sent all the worst cases to me. But the stubbornness that God gave me worked together for good. It was like, finally, I'm using this stubbornness for a good thing. Because when you're standing there like a bulldog and and saying, no, these children deserve to be protected. These children deserve to be in school. I've had children who have had court cases where lawyers and judges have sent me papers and said, you need to take this child to this court case. We wanted to change her testimony. They wanted my children to lie, to say that the person who abused them did not abuse them. And I stood and I said, no. And you know what I did? I did basically this. It almost became a joke. Someone would come to the door to approach me to take my children, to, a child to court, and it was about, this is what they, about, what they got. Get out of here! <laughs> and, you know, I've never felt super short, but I'm barely 5'4". And, and I, I was, my family's really tiny. I had a big complex. I always felt like I was big. And I, you know, I, I'm not, but I <laughs> always felt that way. And it was just like when God puts it in my heart, I, I'm, I'm not letting these children, I'm not letting them go to court. They started, they stopped bugging me. They stopped coming to me. They weren't supposed to come to me anyway. They needed to go to Child Protective Services. But they would come to me to try to manipulate the situation. But God had to use my loud voice and my stubbornness for good. And and God probably put it in the heart of this filthy, blind beggar to yell his name out and show these religious, proper people, say, you know... I don't have time for you guys right now, but why don't you bring me that filthy blind beggar? And you know what Jesus asked that man? He said, what do you want me to do for you? Now, is that not the strangest question you ever heard? It's kind of, I'm reading, I'm going, well, duh, he's a filthy blind beggar. He wants to see 
would you, if you brought a blind man to your pastor and, and he said, well, what do you want me to do? Wouldn't you be like, um, Pastor Todd, he's blind. He wants you to pray for sight. It's the best question that could ever be asked. What do you want me to do for you? Because people really don't want to change. If this blind beggar receives sight, his whole life is different. He has to start a whole new career. He's not begging on the street anymore. And Jesus was asking him, are you ready for this? Are you ready to walk and see? It wasn't just about opening his eyes and seeing Jesus and the the most beautiful sight perhaps he could ever see. It wasn't just about that and going on his merry way. It was all about, do you really want to take this on? And, and God just spoke to me and he said, you know, when I told you to open this orphanage, I didn't give you all the details. I didn't give you a five-year plan. I didn't know when you were going to be at your most stressed, I didn't know, God knew at your stressed moment that there was going to be, the stress was going to be multiplied because of a, a, a tension and a stress that was going on in my city. And, and it, it was like, no, I didn't know all that. But, but God said, will you do this? And I said, yes, I will do this. And sometimes God says, do you really want me to heal your heart? Do you really want me to free you from this sin? Because your life will be changed forever. And and we say, I'm kind of comfortable where I'm at. And if there's one thing I can communicate today, it's for me, and I know we're all called to different to different things. But for me, it's all about taking that risk. It's all about stepping out and saying, Jesus, I trust you enough. We want adventure. We look for adventure. We want to go rock climbing and we want to go, is it parasailing? Or what is it that they do where they jump off cliffs and, and they're, we saw them the other day. They're flying through the sky. <laughs> it looks like it's quite exciting. Uh, want to go bear hunting, want to go moose hunting, whatever it is. And we're so willing to take all these risks because the natural state of man is to want an adventure. But what about that adventure that Jesus has for you? What about sitting in that restaurant in a culture today in the United States that says you better not tell people about Jesus because you'll offend them? What about having a sense and saying, man, that person looks really sad. I'm just going to walk over to them and say, Jesus loves you. Taking steps, taking little steps, uh, ministering to children that perhaps, and I'm sure there's plenty of children, going off and ministering in the bush of Alaska. From what I understand, there's the bush of Alaska. There's so much that we can do that is so adventurous and so exciting and so uncomfortable and so risky and so scary, but then you get that joy. And you get that peace that surpasses all understanding. And you're, you've been saying all your life, where is this that God has been promising? It's in the risk. It's in the danger. It's when you walk through the doors and you need the helmet. And we should be coming to church and saying, oh, man, I, I don't know. You know, this is so exciting. I, I think I'm going to wear a helmet to church because I don't know what God's going to do. You know? <laughs> and, and that's where God has me right now. And I, I just wanted to, to speak to you. God healed Bartimaeus, he saw, and his life was completely changed. And and I know he did well. I mean, the, the Bible doesn't tell us, you know, what he did. But there's so many stories of people who took risks in the Bible, and sinners who ran to Jesus and threw themselves at at his feet. And and that's what I have to do every single day. You know, God 
I'm walking through Walmart, and to be perfectly honest, I am grabbing the car, and I am saying, Jesus, I need provision for this house, and I don't know where it's going to come. And I'm not embarrassed to be praying through Wal- through Walmart or through the mall or in my car because I've come to a situation where I am so desperate that I'm not embarrassed. I'm like, God, I need you, and I'm going to yell out your name. Jesus, son of David, I need you right now. I have a terrible situation with this child and, and I, I need to see this child killed and it's not happening. And the desperation has brought me to my knees. And one day when I was crying and I was saying, God, I'm crying and I'm on my knees. And, and he said, is that a very bad place to be? You're running to me every single day. You're telling me that you need me and I'm showing up. And, and I said yesterday, we rank these miracles. We say, this miracle is a 10. Then we forget to look at the transformation that a lot of you maybe have gone through. Maybe there's people here that were alcoholics that aren't drinking anymore, that were drug addicts, that had a terrible marriage, and God has healed that marriage. And that should be a miracle that we're ranking very high. <laughs> it, it doesn't always have to be a, a, about a great physical healing or about a great physical thing that's happening. It can be just a child being healed and their lives being changed forever. And uh, my main my main concern, my main need, and I'm going to hand the mic over to Pastor Todd, is right now is raising funds for this home that I'm running. And I know that it can be like, well, you know, there, there's, I, I had a lady in one church say, now, do you have 27 orphanages? I'm like, at that time, no, I had 27 kids. I said, no, I have 27 kids. You kind of feel like, you know, the other person has 27 orphanages. And, but sometimes you're, you're helping something or you're, you're, wanting to do something, but God's put a person in your path. He's put a person to to minister to your heart and it's real. And you know what's happening down there. This is real. And it's like a divine appointment, you know? And, uh, it's like Nana's house needs your prayers. It needs, desperately needs your prayers because we're in a crisis situation all the time. I get a call from Child Protective Services and I'm praying, God, should I take this child? Okay, yes, I'm not embarrassed wherever wherever I am. God, we need provision. We need to build. We need to uh, pay rent. We need to buy a new washing machine because it broke down. It is a need that we have. It's finances. And I'm not an international speaker. I'm you. I'm just like you. I'm a regular person who started an orphanage. And uh, it, it is a great need that we have. So just pray if God would put it in your heart to give give to Nana's house today. And I'm going to hand the, the microphone over to Pastor Todd. All right. Thank you. Let's stay up here. Stay up here. Come here. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've been to Topeka, Mexico, and I've seen the ministry there, and I've seen Nana's house, and it is amazing to see what the love of Christ can do to transform and change the lives of these children. And so uh, today, after the end of service... Mary Jo will be in the lobby of the church. There's a table there. You can go there. There's information about the ministry. Perhaps you want to become a prayer partner. Maybe you'd like to be a financial partner. Maybe you'd be interested, as some have already asked me, if they could go, if we could go and have a team go down and be involved in the ministry there uh, that's going on. All those things uh, are possibilities. And so I'd encourage you uh, to, to go and to find out more about Nana's house uh, at the close of service. Uh, the baskets will be in the back. If you'd like to give a, a just a special gift to Nana's house, uh, I understand it's $7,200 a month. 
$7,500 a month to care for these uh, 27 children, to make sure they're clothed, fed, school, um, to give them a, a new life. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, is, that is not very much uh, when, you, when you speak of eternity. So there'll be an opportunity for you to give as well as you leave later on today. Let's, let's pray for Mary Jo. Father, we thank you for uh, Mary Jo. We thank you that you have given her a voice. <laughs> Lord, we all need that voice. Father, thank you for desperation. Thank you for those things in our life that, that call us to come to you. Father, we pray that you will provide the resources that are needed to care for these children. That even this morning as we pray for our own children, that they would grow up to be men and women of God and influence in the world for you. So we pray for these children at Nana's house. Father, we thank you that you are transforming hearts and lives. And we pray, Father, that they would grow up to be men and women with a testimony who would shout out loud, even as Brock and Simon reminded us this morning, that they'd use the megaphone of their heart to declare the wonderful works of Jesus Christ. Father, bless Mary Jo, her staff, her husband Dwight, as they continue their ministry at La Fuente there in Topeka, Mexico. And as you do that, Father, we will thank you because you have given us an opportunity to share in your work there. God, we ask these things now. We pray them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mary Jo. Um, you know, desperate, shouting out to the Lord. Perhaps there's something that, that you need to shout to Jesus this morning. Perhaps you need to see Jesus, Son of David. Uh, if that's you this morning, if you want to shout out to the Lord, if you want someone to pray with you, Maybe there's a step you need to take in your life in that, that great spirit of adventure. Uh, the prayer team is in the back. There will be people waiting to pray with you. Um, if God is stirring in your heart and there's some business you need to take care of this morning before you leave here, just encourage you to respond. Respond as the worship team leads us this morning.